informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome to AOA, Agriculture of America. Always good to have you along with us here as we talk about the issues that are impacting rural America, farming and ranching. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and coming up on today's program, we have some great stuff for you. I spent some time at the National Farm Machinery Show earlier in the week, and we get an update from our friends with Trelleborg and Mitas Tires. Chris Neidert with Trelleborg uh, is going to uh, be on the program with me today. Well, actually, I talked to him earlier this week at the Farm Machinery Show. We learned more about their new TM1 tire, and so we're going to hear that uh, conversation coming up in segment two. In segment three, I was able to talk earlier this week as well while I was at the Farm Machinery Show with the USDA Deputy Secretary, Xochitl Torres-Small. We will be hearing that coming up after the bottom of the hour in segment three. And then at the end of the show, we're going to learn more about a new documentary called From the Heartland that features Laverne, Minnesota farmer Sean Fikema, some of the regenerative agriculture practices they're doing, and much more. We're going to have a conversation with Sean at the end of our program today. Thank you again for joining us. Let's kick things off and get an update on some of the things that are moving on Capitol Hill. Joining us now, Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, great to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I am doing well. Uh, it's been quite a week in Washington with Secretary Vilsack speaking or testifying before the House Agriculture Committee, and then the big USDA Outlook Forum, which was taking place for the 100th time. Uh, it's been 100 years since USDA started that program to try to pull together everything in agriculture once a year. Well, Jerry, a lot of headlines coming out of those two uh, things that you mentioned. I want to start with Secretary Vilsack's uh, testimony uh, in front of the House Ag Committee. And I, I'd seen some chatter and heard some talk that things maybe got a little prickly at times uh, there was some partisan divides there not surprising uh, with uh, that uh, hearing can you uh, share an update on on what exactly happened in that uh, hearing with secretary vilsack of course uh well certainly it did get a little bit prickly um and basically the hearing came down to uh both the republicans and the democrats using the hearing to make the kinds of statements that they want to make on the campaign trail uh, with the Republicans uh, defending an emphasis on big production agriculture and Vilsack emphasizing that he believes we need to help medium-sized and small, smaller farmers in order to shore up the population in r rural America. And this is the, the uh, Vilsack's campaign about helping a medium-sized and, and smaller farmers uh, has been his theme in all his speeches this year, and I'm sure that that will continue. Uh, now, the, the complication in all this is that we don't have any uh, way of seeing uh, compromise between the Democrats and the Republicans to write a farm bill. They're still at loggerheads over their main issues, which are all about finding more money for the bill. Well, and that's a great point you bring up. And I, I, you know, thinking about this, it really, it feels at this point, Jerry, I know we're still early in 2024, but 
trying to find common ground to get this farm bill done. I'm still holding out hope maybe in the next couple of months here, but that, uh, that election calendar is ticking. The clock is ticking on that election calendar. And there's been some chatter already that the can could get kicked down the road to 2025 for a new farm bill. Is that something you're hearing as well? Oh, indeed. At this point, I do think it will get kicked down the, down the road to 2025. 20, and sometimes I even wonder if they'll be able to reach agreement then. We could end up extending the, the 2018 Farm Bill year after year. Uh, in terms of the short-term schedule, the biggest issue we've got now is that Congress needs to figure out how to uh, finish the 2024 Agricultural Appropriations Bill. Now, that's a bill that funds many of the uh, other divisions of the Agriculture uh, Department. It isn't about farm subsidies or or uh, food stamps, the SNAP program. It's about all the other things like food safety and research, et cetera. Uh, but they haven't reached agreement on that. And uh, Sanford Bishop, the ranking member on that uh, subcommittee, told me that uh, he thinks there are issues there that are going to have to be kicked up to the leadership level. That's probably still about whether you can mail abortion pills and whether they're going to be cuts to farm programs that even Republicans on the subcommittee won't support. Well, and we think about, you know, if we continue to kick the can down the road on a farm bill, circling back to the USDA Ag Outlook Forum, you know, the forecast from USDA, season average prices on crops falling, margins tightening, uh, you know, so things like that. I know there's some concern in farm country that, you know, a lot of farmers, a lot of groups in agriculture want to see some of those, you know, safety nets uh, updated to better reflect the current environment here jerry so it's kind of a feels to me like a catch-22 to some degree well i think it is a catch-22 but i'd also say we haven't really heard the farm groups putting a lot of pressure on to do the bill and that's because uh, even though prices are going down farmers are still pretty well positioned um, as both vilsack and seth meyer the chief economist said it's been some good years Farmers do have a financial cushion, most of them, and maybe it'll have to take worse times before the farmers put the real pressure on Congress to finish the bill. It's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Jerry, uh, anything else that you've been seeing uh, in D.C. going on here right now? Uh, I, I Obviously, I continue to watch just some of the uh, the fighting going on uh, in especially the House side. Um, we've seen things like the impeachment of uh, Mayorkas and more. It just it feels like some of this uh, this partisan divide is continuing on Capitol Hill right now overall, not just with um, ag legislation more. Well, of course, yes, the partisan divide is, is continuing. And the big event that happened last week was the election of this Democrat in the suburban New York district. Um, he replaced George Santos, the, the man who was forced out of Congress because of the scandals. And so really, we're, uh, we're, we're, the Republicans have one less seat in the House now. It's going to be even harder to pass, um, uh, to pass legislation. So uh, I think you're just going to see a lot of fighting as we lead up to the, to the uh, elections this year. And it may take the elections before we have clarity for what Congress might be able to do with the farm bill. Yep, and that's uh, something we're going to keep our eyes on real closely. Jerry, great to talk with you again. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. And uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on the program with us again real soon. 
Anytime. It's always great to uh, to talk to your listeners. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report joining us here today on AOA Agriculture of America. And again, uh, Farm Bill, things like that, ag appropriations, as Jerry mentioned, these are all items that uh, we got to get done, got to get figured out, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of eyes on Capitol Hill uh, from agriculture for those things right now. Okay, coming up next, we are going to take a trip back to the National Farm Machinery Show here. I was there on Thursday. I talked with Chris Snyder from Trelleborg. We will get to that interview. Coming up next, we'll be back with more here on AOA, Agriculture of America, right after the break. On February's episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association, we discuss the relationship between the corn and poultry and egg industries with John Del Monte from NCGA, along with Mary Alice Kane and Jenna Gress from the USA Poultry Egg Export Council, known as USAPEAK. We are a trade association. We represent the U.S. poultry and egg industry who exports, and we represent all sectors. Anyone who's touched by exports and is involved in the industry can be a member of USAPEAK. From corn's perspective, uh, obviously the poultry industry is a you know, as a big customer. So as Mary Alice and Jenna both spoke to, you know, exports are obviously an area that they specialize in. Exports account for 28 cents a bushel to the value of corn. So corn has a very vested interest in what poultry exports are doing. Join us the first Wednesday of every month for the monthly grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take a one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners. 
informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA. Well, Thursday, I spent time at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. And man, oh man, I got to say, the new equipment that gets rolled out every year at these farm shows just blows me away every single year. Uh, It seems like something new catches my eye uh, that's bright and shiny and has all the bells and whistles. And there is just, there's so much technology that goes into these machines nowadays. It's really, really cool stuff. It is great to see uh, folks at these farm shows as well. And the crowd at the Farm Machinery Show was uh, definitely strong again this year. And I was able to catch up with a a few different folks uh, throughout the day and and talk about some of the new products that were on display. Well, you think about these big machines and all the shiny new equipment. Well, you got to put some rubber underneath that equipment. I had a chance to catch up with our friends at Trelleborg and Mitas Tires. They're good friends of AOA. And I talked with Chris Neidert from Trelleborg to go over their brand new TM1 tire that they had on display during the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky this year. And he gives us the details on the pretty uh, amazing technology that goes into the new TM1 tire from Trelleborg. Let's listen to that interview with Chris Snyder from Trelleborg from this year's Farm Machinery Show. We are here at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, and very pleased to catch up with a good friend of the program, Chris Snyder with Trelleborg and Mitas is with us here. Chris, it is so good to see you. I And you know what? This looks like it's been a great show so far, hasn't it, Chris? Well, Jesse, I got to tell you, this is my favorite show. You know, we go to the bigger shows, nothing to take away from Farm Progress, but we really enjoy coming to Louisville to the National Farm Machinery Show. The crowd was tremendous today. There's still a lot of people around, and uh, we are always excited to show our tires, our technologically advanced tires, Jesse. Yes, very, very true. And you have a new tire that you are displaying here and showcasing at the Farm Machinery Show, the TM1 this is some fascinating technology here chris talk to us about what exactly goes into this tm1 tire jesse as trelleborg always does we try to come to the forefront of technology and the engineers have done it again as you said this is called our tm1 eco eco power tire 65 percent of the material that's made uh used to build this tire are from recyclable or eco-friendly materials jesse just a really nice thing for the environment well and thinking about that and we were talking about this before we went on the air here i'm fascinated by how the engineers to your point have come up with some of the materials that go into a sustainable tire like this tm1 it's really it's really just amazing technology chris jesse just a couple of things to talk about we're using peanut oil or i should say cashew nut oil what they're doing with that is they're providing that antioxidant protection so we know a tire's got to sit out in the sunlight and you try to present that's also called ozone protection but that nut oil will help 
that tire resist uh, the weather cracking or the weather checking. Something else, recycled bottles. We're using that in the textile portion, which is what we use to build the body or the body plies in the belt. So a couple of, just a couple of things as an example. Like I said, 65% of the pieces of this are from those type of materials. Yeah, great sustainability aspect to this tire. And with the TM1, let's talk about this a little bit. There are a lot of under 150 horsepower tractors out there, and that's what this tire is really geared to, is for some of that, that light yard work or, or things around the farm and ranch, and also electric tractors too is what this tire is geared for from what you were telling me. So talk about that a little bit, Chris. Well, where we first showcased this, Jesse, was the Agritechnica Farm Show, or Ag Show, which is in Germany. It's the largest ag show in the world. They do it every two years. Agco and Fent, they came out with their new electric tractor. This was the tire that was original equipment on that tractor. So it was a really nice showcase event. And then we've brought it over here to show it here at the show. Well, and looking at some of the specs and the aspects of here of this tire, we're standing in front of it right now, and you were talking to me about some of the tread patterns and things like that and how it is, it's better for lighter weight tractors and things like that. So talk to me about some of that technology on this tire. Yeah, Jesse, it's not your normal, what we call R1 or R1W looking tread. It's, it's kind of a combination tread. It's got a center rib in the center of the tread. That is going to help with tire wear. It's going to greatly reduce the rolling resistance. You know, you talked about an electric tractor. One of the things you're trying to do is keep the battery life up. Well, this center rib, it reduces rolling resistance up to 47% versus a normal ag tire. That's a huge thing, both in using fuel and using battery power. Then we have, uh, if you go into the lug area, what we call our tread void, as the opening moves towards the shoulder, and I know we can't see that, but this opening gets larger. What that does, that helps keep the tread very clean. The other thing that reduces your fuel consumption or battery use is when that tire loads up, it starts to spin. Now you're taking extra time to complete your work. You're using extra fuel or extra, extra battery power. So this really keeps the tread clean. And then we've got the famous uh, Trelleborg Terrace Lugs. We have that in all our product. We've put it in this again. Again, its main mission is to keep the tread clean, reducing the consumption, reducing the battery consumption as well. So it, it's really, uh, I really like the tread pattern, Jesse. I'm going to be curious to see how this goes, but it, it's for the lighter, uh, the smaller tractors or the, the lower kilowatt uh, tractors, yes. Well, and I think about this too, overall with, with Trelleborg and Mitas and, and the technology that you guys have employed in all of your tires and the experts like yourself that you have on staff, I, I just, I always love to kind of hit this point home, how important it is to have a good quality tire on your equipment, isn't it, Chris? Well, uh, hey, Jesse, this has got the Trelleborg 10-year warranty on it. Now, think about that. There's not a lot of things on the tractor or your equipment that's a 10-year warranty. You put the TM1 on there, you're going to be covered for the first 10 years. For the first two years, if the tire fails, free tire, we pay for the service call, and then we have some stubble damage coverage. So uh, you're talking about that. Absolutely, you've got some protection with this tire. And we know that obviously longevity is important too to a, a great product like this. And so with that 10-year warranty, you know, 
our farmers are busy. They're on the go. They, they want that sense of comfort. And, and honestly, you know, with the ride, too, being a little bit better with a, with a Trello Board or Mitas tire. Right, Chris? Well, absolutely. You know, I didn't wrench, mention ride comfort. But, again, with some tests against the traditional ag tire, this is a 12% better riding tire. Let's face it. The, the growers and users stay in the cab a lot. Anything you can do to make that ride better is going to help. And this tire will deliver that. Well, Chris, uh, the TM1, really uh, fascinating technology. And I know, of course, if folks want to learn more about the TM1 or they want to learn more about the other tire products, Chris, they can go social media, online. Where could they find more information? Well, they can. Uh, that's funny you said social media. They can follow me, Chris Nider. Just go ahead and Google me, and I'm on a lot of social media. But you can go to the Trelleborg website. It's trelleborg-tires.com forward slash en dash us you'll see all the information there jesse fantastic chris Snyder with trelleborg and mitas always good to see you and talk tires with you thanks for joining me here at the farm machinery show thank you for letting us talk about our product jesse thank you once again, always fun to have a conversation with Chris Neidert from Trelleborg and Mitas Tires. Uh, just so much knowledge that Chris has and, and all the folks there uh, with Trelleborg and Mitas when it comes to tires. And again, uh, my time was short at this year's National Farm Machinery Show, but I must say a lot of uh, really cool stuff on display. Just thinking uh, about, you know, over a million square feet of that Expo Center covered with new products, new equipment, uh, lots of people making their way around the uh, Kentucky Expo Center grounds as well throughout the show. There is just a ton going on, and it was really cool to at least uh, sneak uh, into the uh, Expo. Well, not sneak in. They let me in, but <laughs> go there for a day on Thursday and uh, take a look at things. And I know going to be sharing some more updates from the show uh, here, maybe on the program, but also on on our AOA social media channels and podcast channels and much more. So definitely be on the lookout for more coverage from this year's National Farm Machinery Show. All right, coming up next here on AOA, while I was spending time in Louisville, I was also able to get a few minutes on the phone with USDA Deputy Secretary Xochitl Torres Small. They are rolling out some more new funding and programs uh, in the climate smart commodities realm. We're going to talk about that. I'm also going to share some news headline updates, including some other recaps from the USDA Ag Outlook Forum on Thursday. We are going to get to all of that and more coming up here after the break as we'll be back with more here on AOA Agriculture of America on the way right after this. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. As we take a look at what's moving in the market trade, let's start with the economic data out Friday morning. U.S. producer price index rose 0.3% in January, more than the expected 0.1% rise and up from a negative 0.2% reading in December. Core PPI, excluding food and energy prices, rose 0.5% last month, up from a negative 0.1% reading in December and an expected 0.1% increase. The largest month-over-month increases in five months continues to show sticky inflation. And that could be a problematic trend here for the Federal Reserve that still wants to cut rates here throughout 2024. Now, the elevated CPI and PPI numbers this week are going to be, no doubt, adding some concern to the stock market. Housing starts for January came in well below the average trade guess. Lingering elevated interest rates are having a dent on the housing market, it looks like. So a lot of this economic data, that is something we're going to have to keep an eye on. U.S. dollar index staging a quick recovery in early trade after the PPI data came out and the VIX on the rise as well as some of the volatility increases on Wall Street. How does that impact the commodities and livestock on Friday? That's something we're going to watch here throughout the session. Fairly mixed across the board. It'll be interesting to see how trade moves throughout the day and how much the economic data weighs on commodities and livestock. We see that uh, it's really just been an interesting ride, too, for quartered soybeans since the highs in spring of 2022. The spot corn contract has almost been cut in exactly half from the top at 827 a bushel, getting down to uh, the 420 range. Commodity deflation and bearish weights just continue to weigh on these grain markets here mid-February. Livestock finding a little support here towards the end of the week. We'll see if it holds. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. Hey. <laughs> hey we're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to start a band. <laughs> I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. <laughs> Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
Welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. Well, again, as I was spending time at the National Farm Machinery Show at Louisville, the USDA Ag Outlook Forum ongoing in Washington, D.C., and also USDA and the uh, Biden administration making some more announcements here this week with programs that tie in with the climate smart commodities and, and climate initiatives that uh, are currently being seen by the administration at USDA. One of those is the Working Lands Climate Corps. I was able to catch a few minutes on the phone while I was in Louisville at the Farm Show with Deputy Secretary for the USDA, Xochitl Torres Small, to talk about some of these new programs that have been rolled out, some of her goals for 2024, the year ahead here, uh, now that she's been in her role as Deputy Secretary for a few months. So we uh, talk about all that and more. Here is that interview with USDA Deputy Secretary Xochitl Torres Small as we talked on Thursday, February 15th, while I was at the Farm Machinery Show. Here is that interview. Deputy Secretary at USDA Xochitl Torres Small is with us. And uh, Deputy Secretary, great to talk with you. And I, I must say, it's been a while since you and I have had a conversation. Probably it's been since you were moved into the role of Deputy Secretary. So congratulations for me. It's great to talk with you again. Thanks so much, Jesse. And please still just call me Soch. Well, Soch, uh, I will go with that then. Thank you uh, for the time. We got some uh, great stuff to talk about here uh, from USDA, the Biden-Harris administration uh, rolling out this week. And I want to start with the Working Lands Climate Corps. Give us a rundown. I know this all ties in with the, with the Climate Smart Initiative and everything that we have from the administration and USDA. Can you give us the details on this a little bit? You know, farmers are so often some of the most important stewards of private lands, uh, but they don't always get the credit they deserve for those sustainable practices. And that uh, becomes increasingly challenging with the historic investments that are coming from uh, President Biden's administration uh, when it comes to uh, fighting climate change and uh, making sure that we're uh, taking charge when it comes to uh, the increasing disasters that we're seeing. Um, and that's why we want to make sure that farmers get the support that they deserve. And so we are establishing a new Working Lands Climate Corps. What this does is it will train the next generation of conservation and climate leaders who then make it possible to work with farmers to make sure they know how to apply for programs to support the climate smart practices and agriculture solutions across the country. Well, and I think about this, uh, obviously, the climate smart practices and more. This has been a, a big undertaking from the USDA and from the administration. And uh, just talk about some of the things we've seen as far as adoption across the country from our farmers and ranchers. I know that there's been a lot of funding for climate smart practices. I mean, in, in your eyes, here at the beginning of 2024, programs like this and more, where do things stand with the Climate Smart Initiative right now? So I was in Michigan recently and got to visit with a farmer who had worked with NRCS uh, to put together a conservation plan. Uh, then she worked with Rural Development to get uh, Rural Energy for America uh, grant to get solar up on her roof and drive down her energy costs. And then she was part of um, her uh 
her conservation board. And through her conservation board, she applied for a partnership for climate smart commodities, uh, where they are going to be able to uh, identify practices, climate smart practices, and help turn those into products and a market uh, that they where they can use it to advertise uh, the, the practices that they are implementing uh, and get a fair share of their food dollar as a result. So these are all opportunities that farmers have to increase their bottom line and get a fairer share of the food dollar. Uh, and it, it's exciting to be able to invest in those things. But what we've seen is that uh, we want to make sure every farmer has a shot at receiving those services. And so this investment in more than 100 young people to help connect farmers to those programs will, one, create more opportunities for more farmers, and two, help build the pipeline of future leaders, both at USDA and beyond, um, who, who are dedicated to the future of agriculture. Well, really, uh, a lot of great things uh, going on in terms of climate smart programs and more. And, and, and thinking about this, too, uh, really, when it comes down to it, it's all about stewardship as well and, and taking care of our lands and, and what we have to grow food and, and feed and fuel the world, right? That's absolutely right. Farmers work so hard to feed our world every single day. And so it's an honor and a joy to invest back in them. I would be remiss if I didn't know that this partner, this uh, client, Working Lands Climate Corps is done in partnership with AmeriCorps, the Corn Network, as well as the National Association of Conservation Districts. And if you are uh, an organization that would be interested in uh, employing some of these young people, there's a request for proposals out but it will be, uh, it's due back March 8th. Okay, well, we will try to take note of those deadlines. We'll share those as well uh, on our uh, websites and social media too. I should ask, I know we have a few minutes left uh, in your schedule and, and time here on, on the show today, so I really appreciate it. Uh, just maybe crystal ball for me a little bit, some of your goals, some of Secretary Vilsack's goals here, the administration uh, here as we go through 2024, continuing on this climate smart path. What are some things that, that you want to get done here? in the year ahead, if you could talk about that a little bit. You know, when we look at these historic investments, uh, it's all about making sure that farmers can turn those into income streams so that they can get a fairer share of the food dollar. Uh, Secretary Vilsack's been very clear that farmers shouldn't have to get big or get out, they should also have the opportunity to get innovative and find uh, new markets and access to new markets uh, that can allow them to diversify. Uh, and by uh, investing in climate smart practices, uh, by investing in value added agriculture, uh, and by working to drive down input costs through some of our fertilizer programs, there's an opportunity to make sure that farmers of every size have the opportunity to succeed and make Make a fair living. Well, again, a lot of things going on. The Working Lands Climate Corps initiative as well. Uh, we'll get those deadlines and more posted online. And with that, Deputy Secretary, USDA, Sochiel Torres Small, appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, I know things are busy, especially with the Ag Outlook Forum going on there in D.C., I'm sure, and uh, and whatnot. But we uh, great to have a conversation with you. Thanks for joining us on AOA, and uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on the program again soon. Jesse, it's always fun to connect. Thanks so much.
Once again, USDA Deputy Secretary Sochil Torres-Small joined me uh, on Thursday while I was at the Farm Machinery Show in Louisville. Also, that USDA Ag Outlook Forum, the 100th Ag Outlook Forum ongoing. Farm margins expected to tighten this year on falling prices for many commodities, but a key takeaway from the Ag Outlook Forum is that new revenue streams are making a difference on the farm. The forecast for many crops like corn and soybeans was no surprise. USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer. After three years of pretty high commodity prices, the direction is largely for lower prices. Now, as U.S. farmers responded after Russia invaded Ukraine and more supplies now dropped the 23-24 season average prices to 560 for corn, 1290 for beans and on strong Russian sales, 850 for wheat. And farm costs, except for fertilizer and fuel oil, are still up, as is foreign competition. We have seen tremendous growth in soybean production in South America, Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina, and we can handle that production at a global level and support prices when Chinese demand was growing at more than 4%, up to 8% a year. That demand has slowed. But Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack argued in his keynote speech that there's still hope for a sector that's lost over half a million farms since 1981, while big operations get bigger and small ones struggle. How about we create multiple income streams that that farmer can utilize? So if commodity prices, as Seth indicated, are down one year, maybe there's another source of income that's also coming into the farm that bolsters the family income that doesn't require you to work two full-time jobs, which allows you to make the case to the young people who want to be the next generation that, yes, you can, in fact, be the next generation. Leading USDA to invest billions to promote new export markets, climate-smart commodities, sustainable aviation fuel, on-farm renewable energy, local meat processing, and USDA food buys. All of it Vilsack finished so the communities and the farmers that make rural America possible can survive. To make sure that we send the message to every single farmer, regardless of size, that they are valued, not just for what they do, but for who they are. And once again, USDA Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack speaking at the 100th USDA Ag Outlook Forum. And you couple the Ag Outlook Forum numbers with the census of ag data out from USDA as well earlier in the week. And plenty of uh, plenty of data to really take a look at here for agriculture as we move forward. Also, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says the United States is 18 months away from a vaccine for bird flu. That news came as more than 81 million U.S. poultry and aquatic birds have been killed by avian flu across 47 states since January of 2022. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the U.S. has found bird flu this year in eight commercial flocks and 14 backyard flocks so far, affecting 530,000 poultry. During a congressional hearing earlier in the week, Vilsack said we're probably 18 months away from being able to identify a vaccine that would be effective for the particular flu we're dealing with now, quote unquote. And in May, the World Organization for Animal Health said governments should consider flu vaccines in their poultry to prevent the spread of avian influenza. So we'll be watching that story, monitoring it as well. All right, coming up next before we wrap up AOA today. 
We are going to learn more about a new film called From the Heartland, which gives an inside look into one family's day-to-day farm operations in southern Minnesota, some of the work they're doing with regenerative agriculture, and some of the new opportunities they are looking at, and how they're telling the story of agriculture. Sean Fikema from Laverne, Minnesota, was the star, the Fikema family, of this film, and we are going to talk to Sean and learn more about the film and some of the things they're doing on their operation. That's coming up next. We'll be back with more here on AOA right after the break. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments and ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Give to the V Foundation. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing research. 100%. Donate at V.org. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. In Iraq, our truck hit a roadside bomb. I had about 16 surgeries on my hand so that I could regain function. And when I came home, I needed a new roof due to a storm. And my electrical was deemed unsafe. And I was about to lose homeowner's insurance as well. I didn't really know where to go in order to get help. And so I applied for Operation Homefront Critical Financial Assistance Program. They've really been a blessing. Operation Homefront is a safety net. A lot of veterans, they fall through the cracks sometimes. And Operation Homefront, they catch us. It's been a blessing to us. It's a blessing to other veteran families. And it's good to know that when we come home, there are people who are there that care about us and want to see us do well and want to see us succeed. And we feel it and we appreciate that. I would say you guys are angels behind closed doors. Visit OperationHomefront.org to learn more. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, Zach Sturm, a fertilizer trading expert with CHS, provides 2024 fertilizer planning strategies. Zach, when is a good time for farmers to secure their fertilizer needs for this year? Now would really be a good time to get with your local account manager and work on a plan to secure that supply that fits your specific needs. If you look at price activity, in most times in the spring, basis will increase 20 to $40 in the spring and have that kind of premium versus what NOLA is. So you may see NOLA prices go down or other prices go down, but your local market may stay the same or increase. And that's just due to in-season demand. Well, what crop nutrients will likely be in demand this spring and why? We see a strong demand across the board this spring for NP and K. We're still looking for a favorable corn crop this year and also a favorable wheat and bean crop along with that. Well, what shipping and logistical challenges exist that could impact fertilizer supplies? Yeah, this is really on the forefront of our minds, especially with 
all the geopolitical happenings that we've seen over the last six months to a year. Vessels are avoiding going through the Suez Canal and are going around the Cape of Good Hope. This really matters for the U.S. farmer because that's a major shipping lane, especially for urea, as most of that product comes out of the Arab Gulf going to the U.S. And the Suez Canal is utilized really as a shortcut to get to the U.S., uh, not being able to go and go through that due to the war in the Middle East and too much risk from the vessel owners and having to go around the Cape of Good Hope is adding 15 to 20 days of transit time. So certainly that impacts the timing of when the supply uh, show can get to your backyard. And then also there's some added cost to that extra transit time with fuel cost. And the second point is just continued low water on the Mississippi River and other river segments like the Arkansas River. Thank you for joining us on Around the Table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. When news happens in agriculture or when the markets are moving, we've got you covered as your trusted voice in agriculture. The team at the American Ag Network has the knowledge and experience to keep you informed on the issues impacting farmers and ranchers. We've got you covered on air, online, and on demand. Find the American Ag Network on your favorite social media platforms and also follow the American Ag Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are the American Ag Network. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content, and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And thanks for sticking with us here on AOA Today, Agriculture of America. Right now, we want to learn more about a new documentary called From the Heartland and talk with the star of the film. His family's farm was featured in this film. Sean Feikema from Laverne, Minnesota is joining us here on AOA. Sean, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, Sean, let's start. Just tell us a little bit about your operation that was featured in the uh, From the Heartland film and, and some of the sustainable practices that you guys have adopted. I know that was a big focus of the film. Let's start there. Sure. So, yeah, we're just a third generation family farm here in southwestern Minnesota. Uh, we uh, I farm with my brother and my wife and his wife. And also uh, my uncle is still around and helps us out uh, along with, uh, I think, seven or eight employees. Um, corn, soybeans, small grains, and, um, we feed, uh, we feed cattle. So that's kind of the, the nutshell of our operation. And, uh, most of the cropping is done with no-till and strip-till practices, along with a lot of cover crops, uh, that we implement as well. So. Well, thinking about that, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of your day-to-day -day was documented in from the heartland and maybe... <clears throat> Share with folks what that process was like uh, going through filming and, and letting them get a, a look at what you guys do on your operation and kind of telling the story of agriculture. Talk about that, Sean. Yeah, so 
obviously being in film is is very different than what uh, life on the farm is usually like so that was quite an adjustment having cameras follow you around and uh look at what you're doing all the time and every time you look from under some piece of machinery or somewhere else there's a camera sitting there waiting for you so um that was that was a <laughs> that was a little bit of an adjustment and especially for uh for uh the guys all running around here that were ha that uh, our employees it was kind of odd having all the cameras around but um, you know, it's just it's just different when you have somebody following you around, right? I mean, you don't think about your day-to-day -day actions very often about the you know the every little thing, but um, you had to when they were uh, when they were following you around, and um, they were a great crew. They did an amazing job of of letting us do our work and letting us do uh, do what we do without interrupting our uh, our day. So. Well, I know you have a partnership as well with Sustainable Aviation Fuel Company, GEVO, and that was featured in the documentary. And, and I know that SAF obviously is such a huge topic of conversation right now. Can you share your thoughts? What made you decide to enter into that partnership and, and your thoughts on, on some of this, uh, the growth potential we have with SAF right now from a farmer perspective? Yeah. So, you know, when originally when I, when we, when we, were contacted by GEVO to do stuff. It was really just about them wanting to understand um, some of the practices we were doing, the strip till, the no-till, how we were growing our corn. Um, and at the time they were, you know, they were looking at the at SAF as, as an option, but at the time their plant here in Laverne was just an ethanol plant. Um, and so when they asked if they could come out and do some, uh, look around and we could show them around, we, we obviously said, yes, yeah. It, you know, we wanted to showcase what, um, practices we were doing and and how it was working for us um but as we as we kind of continued down that relationship uh i guess the reason we kind of stayed on board or or jumped in maybe uh, a little deeper was the idea that this could be a, a something that could benefit our our local economy and our and our local farmers um mm -hmm. so that's really you know why we why we stuck with it and then also the opportunity just I just was tired of, uh, you know, essentially running, you know, farmers running their marathon and uh, the outside world throwing rocks at us as we go by. And so this was given us the opportunity to talk about farming and, and let people understand what's really going on in agriculture. Um, and that was probably my primary focus um, as far as, you know, getting the word out about what what it is that farmers do. I mean, not, not I'm not just talking about strip till, no till. I'm talking about all farmers that, you know, the world just doesn't understand what we do anymore. And um, somebody has made a narrative or told them a narrative that's just not true. So um, that's kind of what what the, the purpose of it was. And as far as SAF goes, um, you know, it's an incredible opportunity, I think, um, looking forward uh, for a way for us, you know, a market for our grain, um, you know, offtake or, or uh, co-products that come back out for feed. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's just a great rural, uh, rural story that can be told. And um, I think from my perspective anyway, I'd much rather figure out ways to develop uh, products that you showcase or, or use our products that provide a better income for the farm rather than looking to the government to provide us with some sort of, uh, you know, subsidy or something like that. Sure. I'd rather do it through products. So, sure, um, sure. so that's kind of, that's kind of the thing. I, I really think it's a great opportunity and um, it's been a good ride and we'll see once, see once where it takes us. Well, to your point uh, that you made there earlier, kind of to wrap up our conversation, you know, I, I think I, I hear this some too. I mean, there's some folks that, you know, they, they go to the grocery store, they don't 
necessarily know exactly where their food comes from, but they would like to know more. So to your point about telling the story of agriculture, I think it's so critical, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, it is. I, you know, we've been, this past winter has been kind of a busy one. We've been all over uh, the country really talking about what, uh, what we've been doing and what, what's going on in egg in, in farm country and ag country. Um, and, and people are genuinely interested. They, for the most part, they really want to learn and they really want to understand what's going on. Um, and so um, they're, they're very eager to hear what is going on. They're, they're blown away by the technology and the data and the, the different, you know, management practices that every family farm has pretty much implemented on their operation. It's, you know, it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm telling them is something that, you know, just our operation is doing. This is what everybody's doing and, and they don't realize it. They don't understand um, how, 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 deeply managed these operations are nowadays and what technology and um, different sciences are involved. Sure. No, that's a great, great point. I, I know if folks want to check out uh, the uh, From the Heartland documentary and uh, and learn more about your operation, ficamafarms.com is a great place to go, isn't it? Yep. Perfect place. Yep. We got a link to the trailer there. Um, we're hoping to get the, the documentary out in the, in the public uh, a little more here come this summer. Uh, right now, it's just running the film festivals and, and uh, doing stuff like that right now. So um, great. Yeah. Fantastic. Ficamafarms.com. We'll share that on our social media as well. With that, Sean, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. Hey, thanks, Jesse. You have a great day. You as well. We're out of time here on Agriculture of America. Thank you for joining us on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. On February's episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association, we discuss the relationship between the corn and poultry and egg industries with John Del Monte from NCGA, along with Mary Alice Kane and Jenna Gress from the USA Poultry Egg Export Council, known as USAPEAK. We are a trade association. We represent the U.S. poultry and egg industry who exports, and we represent all sectors. Anyone who's touched by exports and is involved in the industry can be a member of USAPEAK. From corn's perspective, uh, obviously the poultry industry is a uh, you know, is a big customer. So as Mary Alice and Jenna both spoke to, you know, exports are obviously an area that they specialize in. Exports account for 28 cents a bushel to the value of corn. So corn has a very vested interest in what poultry exports are doing. Join us the first Wednesday of every month for the monthly grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Adopt US Kids presents what to expect when you're expecting a teenager. Learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council.